Welcome everyone to another episode of the Noise Cast. Uh, as you know, we are always interested in how to make our lives just a little bit easier. Whether it's uh, the latest gadget, um, a new workflow, or just completely hacking your brain to um, allow your processes to work a little bit easier, we're we're all about that here at the Noise Cast. So, um, having said that, it's with great pleasure that uh, we introduce our guest for this episode. Uh, he is the he is a business coach to high growth startups, to entrepreneurs, and Fortune 500 companies. You can also find his writing on uh, Forbes magazine, Entrepreneur, and you know it, it just kind of goes without saying. His new book, Easier: Sixty Ways to Make Work Life Work for You. Uh, please welcome to the show, Chris Westfall. Chris. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I do have to, you know, have come out here with a little bit of a disclosure. Um, it was a long time coming in getting Chris onto this show just because um, between schedules not working out, um, you know, the world reopening, um, I, I think that's a big part of it too. Um, and, you know, just, just life in general. Um, but you know, I've had the pleasure of having this book in my possession for pretty much the summer. It became my summer reading. Um, and just recently, because of this interview, it gave me an opportunity to go back to it. And I got to say, this is um, a fantastic read, not just, you know, for the kind of self-help um, uh, uh, business how-to uh, kind of genre that exists out there, right? You know, there's a lot of like, uh, gurus that will tell you, you know, this is how you're going to get richer. This is how uh, you're going to f- turn your hot side hustle into a multi-million dollar career. Um, this isn't that, right? Is that safe to say that this book is not that? I sure hope not. I sure hope not. No, it's it's a book about, I, I think about self-reflection. And if, if I can say this, I think it's a book about healing, um, healing frustration, in your career and your relationships. I mean, it, the subtitle is making your work life work for you. But you know, if you think about it, it's, it's not work and life. It's just life. I mean, it's mm-hmm. careers, it's relationships, it's the whole thing. It's your identity inside of those, those roles that we all play. So, um, it's, I think it's bigger than just a, a career book, but again, that, that kind of depends on the journey that the reader takes inside of it. Just, just like the journey that you took when you read the book. Sure, absolutely. I think you know there there are a number of um, I think high level um, themes that the book touches on and, and kind of continue continuously like touches on. Um, I think one of the biggest ones that stood out to me uh, was the concept of uh, identity mm-hmm. and uh, what are what our identities are and and how they're shaped and molded. I think um, so. Before we we get into that, just to you know, so for our listeners. So the book is written not as uh, your typical, um, uh, um, you know, genre book is, right? It's not you espousing the wisdom that you've gathered in your many years of consulting. And, you know, you're not sitting on the mountaintop, you know, uh, you know, giving these like uh, 
haughty right. themes to people who, right. who do this. Don't do that. Let me yeah. scold you. Yeah. That's not it. Yeah. No, it, it's actually, it's, it takes a, a very uh, narrative approach. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, a conversation that it's basically allowing us into a conversation between a client and their coach. Um, and this client is going through what I can say is something that maybe we all experience at one point or another. It's uh, you're kind of at a crossroads. Uh, you're unsure of what your next move is going to be. You know, it's by, you know, by many of our uh, societal, um, uh, um, I guess like the way society forces us to kind of embrace this idea of you are your career. Um, you know, it seems like this man is, um, you know, on the precipice of failure. You know, he, he's, he, he's about to lose it all. And he, he comes to this coach kind of as a last ditch effort to figure things out. Um, and that's kind of where it begins. And I think that's, that's a, a really interesting, um, way to start, right? Because you, you're, you're starting with a conflict right up front, you know, or at least what the perceived conflict is, right? It seems, you know, whether it's a dead end job, um, you know, it's, um, the, the feeling of being overwhelmed by, um, by your day to day, by, by what your role is or your supposed role might be. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, um, there was the immediate concept of laziness gets talked about first thing in the book. And I, I really love it. Um, in part, because I think I'm a lazy individual. Um, you might ask my wife, she might, you know, concur and say, I can be a little bit on the lazy side, but laziness isn't what we think it right Chris that's right and and in the first chapter what you're talking about is is what the the coach says to the client very early on he says I, I need you to be lazy but what he means is to to live life like a lazy Sunday afternoon and on a lazy Sunday afternoon if you think about your experience of your last Sunday afternoon it's it's a day for you where you're doing exactly what it is that you want, whether you're making a sandwich or taking a hike or going for a bike ride or playing with your kids or going to a movie or whatever it is that you do on a lazy Sunday afternoon, you're doing it for yourself. And when we are living life for ourselves, which is not to say selfishly, but, but where we are doing what it is that we want and stepping into our identity, our identity without, without any shame or blame or hesitation, we're living life like it's a lazy Sunday afternoon. Right. And, that, and I think that's what makes oh, it easier. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Sure. No, no, no. Uh, absolutely. And I was going to say like that, that's the thing, you know, that's the difference between um, making things easier versus um, having things be easy. And, you know, I think that's a, a big um, misunderstanding of um, what people might want. I think what people might see when they, when they see the cover on the bookstore, right. You see big, big, bold letters easier you know, it's just like, oh, okay, we're going to have an easy life. But that's not at all what we're talking about here. It's something very different. And it's something that I really respect just because uh, I can, I can relate with that client in a lot of ways. I, you know, I, you know, I've, um, I've long kind of fashioned myself as kind of like the uh, perpetual entrepreneur, someone who's going to like, just hustle, hustle, hustle. And, you know, like, I, um, one of the things that I remember, I told one of my uh, first bosses was, um, it's just like, I may not be more talented than, uh, some of your star people, but I will outwork every last one of them. And, 
mm-hmm. you know, and that was something that, you know, was true. I was took a lot of pride in, in that statement. But, you know, what ended up happening there was I found myself burnt out. And, you know, I think that's kind of uh, what we saw um, at the start of the book. So I'm sorry, like um, I mentioned to you kind of before we started rolling um, that I have this book and I have a ton of notes like and, you know, for the audience, um, you guys don't understand. I have not written this many notes in a book um, probably since college. And it's been a number of years since since I can say that's been the case. So I, I'm, I'm excited to share this with everyone because I think um, I think this isn't just a, a business book. This isn't something um, that will only apply to a middle manager somewhere or a CEO or or even you know uh, someone with with their own business. This applies to every single one of us. It's about changing our outlook. So. Um, what do you think was one of the the biggest, um, you know, in, in in putting together this book? What was one of the the biggest sources of, I guess, like inspiration that it, it came from? You know, it, it's it seems very personal um, in reading it. So, you know, I'm assuming that there there are some of these stories probably come from uh, past lived experiences or even something that you've. Uh, may have heard kind of in your travels. I'm just curious to know where, you know, how much of this uh, was inspired by those types of scenarios. All of it was inspired by experiences that that I've had either as a coach or being coached. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, and and there are some chapters in the book that are verbatim that are exactly my life experience. And there are some pieces of the book that are uh, somewhat fictionalized and imagined to kind of put some poetic license around the lessons inside the book. Mm -hmm. But it it all adds up to the the inspiration for it was really looking in the direction of what it is that, that I needed to, to not only write, but what I needed to read. I mean, the message that I needed to to give not only to the world, but to give to myself. And that's a message that, that life can be easier. Now notice I didn't say easy. Like you were saying before, life's not easy. Life can be pretty difficult, but there's a way to show up that makes life easier. And I've discovered that through the, the ideas and concepts that are expressed in this book, that they they come out of the narrative just as they came out of the narrative of my life, the story that I've experienced in my life I've made some discoveries and it's, it's not all anecdotes. It's not, it's not just anecdotal or experiential. It's scientific and it's based in, in some real understanding of how we work as human beings and how we are wired. And from that place of understanding, even very, very difficult circumstances can be easier. And, and as you mentioned, some of the circumstances in the book are pretty difficult, pretty difficult. So. Sure, sure. Yeah. And and I think um, one of the, so again, kind of going back to some of these overarching themes that kind of keep coming up in the book, I, I really want to take a few moments to talk about uh, the concept of identity, mm-hmm. right? And this one really kind of, um, you know, it kind of slapped me right across the head um, because, um, again, like the client for a long time, you know, I know I've personally found myself in situations where I linked my personal identity to a job. Um, and I, I think sure. about um, a few years ago where, um, 
you know, I, it was, uh, I would say it was kind of like the, the first, uh, big job that I held, you know, pretty important title. And then, you know, overnight, everything was kind of just, you know, company, um, like the economy tanked, everything was being sure. shuttered. And, you know, one by one, we were basically like, Oh, thanks for everything. You know, have a good life. Um, and it was, you know, that it was, uh, it was for a long time that, you know, struggled with this idea well, this was who I was, but, but that's not the case. And I think that's a big thing that that's talked about in the book and just being able to step into identity. Could you talk a little bit more about um, that, that aspect of, of easier and, and really like, I, I, I personally really love the idea of um, the, the metaphor of identity being a stream. Sure. The, there's an identity that is, part of our ego, right? Which is tied to our career or I'm a, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a wife. I, you know, the, the identity things that we tell ourselves, but underneath those things, there's something more. There's our human nature, which means that we are humans that are part of nature, part mm -hmm. of the natural world. Uh, and, and that's where the idea of the stream comes in. Of, of looking at the stream as a, a metaphor, really, for our identity. And that identity exists, just like the stream exists, outside of bank accounts, outside of addresses, outside of professional distinctions or education or any of those things. I mean, underneath all of those accomplishments, which we often associate with identity, is who we really are. As, as human beings. And that's coming back to our human nature. And that's, that's why we call ourselves human beings, not human doings. Right, and right. You were saying, you know, even though the job went away, you're still here, you right. know, and, and you're, you are still you, but it's, but it doesn't feel like that. When things are taken away, when we experience loss, when life doesn't go the way that we want it to, we feel like it's an impact on our identity, but it doesn't have to be. And that's part of what the, the book shares is how to, how to navigate those waters and how to, how to step into that stream, if you will, that points us towards our true human nature, that, that place of truth that's beyond ego and beyond uh, something that we've made up about who we are. It's getting back to who we, who we really are at our core. So, you know, kind of with that in, in mind, um, one of the things that, um, you know, again, another another kind of recurring theme that I noticed uh, with the book, especially, you know, again, that second read was kind of this idea of being kinder to yourself. Um, you know, it, it's uh, there was a line um, that I, I actually had to write it down um, just because it was pretty early on and I missed it the first read. Um, but uh, it, it talked about identity beyond your mistakes you know, I, I think that's one of those things where um, I, I believe the chapter was talking. I think it was in the identity chapter, but I, I, I recall just it, it stood out the second time, just like identity beyond the mistakes. Is Could you just um, touch a little bit more about, um, you know, what does that what, what does being kinder to oneself really look like um, outside of the context of like, this is, you're not talking about creating excuses or, hmm. um, you know, apologizing away um, any missteps, but it's something different. It's something a lot deeper than just um, um, it's forgiveness in a very, um, I, for lack of, from my perspective, it's, it's, you're talking about a spiritual forgiveness almost. 
Mm. And, and perhaps a personal forgiveness as well. That's based on this, a few ideas that I want to share first is, and it's a saying that you will never regret being kind. Mm-hmm. It's easy for us to be kind or find compassion for those who have been wronged, for people who are disadvantaged, for those who have had a tough life, but we don't find that same compassion for ourselves, especially people who are driven, who are trying to achieve. And we often put ourselves last right. on, on the list of things that we care about and, and finding some compassion, finding a way to not be hard on yourself has been a lifelong journey for me because even though I wrote a book called Easier, I'm going to tell you, I feel like I got a PhD in being hard on myself. Because right. it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's it's that idea that you're you're always your harshest critic, right? It's it's this idea that if everyone saw um, you know, for example, you you did a a wonderful TED talk, um, you will sit there and p- take pick it apart and say, Well, you know, I meant to say this and instead of uh, you know, using this metaphor, I probably could have landed a, a better reaction with this one. Um, you know, you you, you start picking yourself apart without realizing that you're picking yourself apart. Right. And, and you, if you stop for a second and slow that down, you've got to wonder, how is that useful? How is that helpful? How is that being of service? And what is it that we are trying to achieve or accomplish when we are tearing ourselves down? And what if you can become a source of encouragement, not only for others, but for yourself and, and not in a, not in a, pie in the sky way where you, you know, you wake up, look in the mirror and tell yourself, you know, you're gorgeous, brilliant, and you're going to have a great day. Right. But in a way that remembers that you and me and everyone listening to this podcast has overcome things, has figured things out, has capabilities that they often don't recognize or acknowledge. And if we want others to acknowledge what it is that we're capable of, what if we start with ourselves? What if we start with that simple acknowledgement, which is not not to try to pat yourself on the back, but to simply say what is, to recognize what is and who we are, which to me looks like a part of our identity that goes beyond ego. And it's easy to look back with hindsight and say, oh, when I did that talk, I should have said this, not that. And, and I made mistakes and I've been there. Oh, I made mistakes. I had a coach say to me one time, Chris, what if there are no mistakes? I go, what do you mean? What if there are no mistakes? I mean, I, I made mistakes. I mean, relationships didn't go work. The, the business thing I was trying to launch, it didn't go. It was a mistake. He goes, it was a choice. I said, a choice? What do you mean? He says, you cannot evaluate what you did then because you were doing the best that you could based on the knowledge that you had at the time. And by the way, what more can we do than that? We, we make choices. In hindsight, we call it, we label it as a mistake, but putting that label on choices that we've made doesn't make the past any easier to deal with, and it certainly doesn't make it any easier to create the future. Right. And speaking about the future, I think um, one of the things that really um, stood out to me was this, um, uh, in the book, your client uh, had this... uh, I don't know. I don't want to call it, I want to call it a defense mechanism where when things wouldn't go right, they began authoring the worst possible future. 
it's kind of like, you know, um, not realizing that, like you mentioned, there are no mistakes, but there are choices that could be made. You can make a choice every time you're presented with a challenge or an obstacle. There are other choices. Uh, being able to kind of step away from um, even that situation for just a little bit can open up the world uh, to other possibilities. I think that's a very powerful um, concept uh, that that you talk about in the book. Um, I'm just, you know, I don't want to give too much away because I really want people to pick this up and buy it and read it and honestly share it. Like that's one, that's going to be one of my things. If if you buy it and you pick it up and you're done with it and you feel you got everything you got out of it, give it to someone. Like give this, this is a book that you, that should absolutely be shared. Um, But I I want to talk about um, Yahoo for a second and we're not talking search engines. Right. So let's, let's talk about Yahoo for a minute. What, 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 is, what is Yahoo? In the book, Yahoo is an acronym and it stands for You Always Have Other Options. And if you think about it, that's true in every circumstance that you're in. And you may say, no, 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 I don't have options. I, I have to, you know, I have to go to the doctor. I have to do this. I have to turn in the report by Thursday. I have all these obligations, but you always have options about how you show up for whatever it is that you're on about. You can choose to be different today than you were yesterday. And, and that's that doesn't involve superpowers. That's something that we are all capable of. When we, when we realize that the past reminds us, but it does not define us, we can define ourselves in new ways because we can show up differently. And it's the way that you're showing up that creates the world around you. Even in the same circumstances, if you show up differently, not only does the world look different, but your results can change as well. And, and that is the power inside of Yahoo. It's something that we, all, we need to always remember. And like you say, it's not a search engine. It's a reminder of the way things work. I mean, if you think about it, like in this, in this conversation right now, if I ask you how many possibilities exist... I mean, you would probably say infinite or endless. I mean, mm-hmm. we can talk about anything. And it's easy because we're, you know, we're calm, we're relaxed, and we're just chatting here. But when life gets difficult, it, it looks like there's only one way forward. It looks like we are trapped. It looks like there's only one way to win. And what we have to realize, we got to remember Yahoo. We got to remember that we can zoom out and see new options if we're open to that. And, and that's what the coaching conversation can help people to discover is what are the options that they have not seen before. And it's not because the, the coach is some guru that sees things that others don't. The power inside of the coaching conversation comes first from deep listening and really understanding where people are coming from, but helping individuals to see things in a new way. I know for me, when I work with clients, I, I don't coach to my level of expertise. Because I work with people from all over the world who have very different life experiences, very different career experiences than, than, than I do. And my, the real contribution, the real service that I can offer as a coach is to, to help them to see things on their own terms and in their own way so that I'm not projecting my identity or my objectives or my goals into their lives. I'm helping them to transform 
their ideas and their experiences into a new future. And, and that really is at the centerpiece of, of the journey that, that the characters go through in Easier, is that journey of discovery, of self-discovery, of, of entering into this stream that you mentioned before, this, this, this place where we see our human nature and we, we see ourselves as humans in nature which isn't some motivational woo-woo story. It's, it's just the way things work. It's just how things are. And, and from there, we can see new options. Right. And, and I, you know, again, I'm, I'm going to always go back to this. Like this, is, this book is probably going to be found in your business section of your local Barnes and Nobles or what have you. But you know, if this conversation doesn't sound like a business conversation, it's because these concepts are not just business concepts. These are things that can very much apply to any facet of your life, right? As long as you're willing to, to understand how to, how to use these concepts and apply them to yourself and to whatever the situation is, you know, this is, um, this is as much a relationship book as it is a a business book or, you know, a self-improvement book. Um, you know, I, I think one of the things that, um, you've done very well um, in this book is make what may seem on its face, like a very specific niche topic into a very universal um, uh, tone, right? Like, you know, like you're not talking about, um, you know, how to improve uh, what you are, but you're not directly talking. You're not only talking to the person who needs to improve uh, maybe like uh, the company's productivity or uh, improve uh, the revenue for, uh, you know, their department. You're also talking about people who, who need to be more comfortable in their own skin. Um, yes. And I think a lot of, yes. a lot of um, you know, the, the wisdom that's shared in the book comes from that. It's, it's a certain level of self-actualization that, that needs to happen. Um I, I, I'm just curious because, you know, you, you do come uh, with a, a coaching background. What would you say are like three of the, um, I, I, I guess, like, what are the three stumbling blocks that you've noticed that really successful people tend to have? Um, just kind of, you know, like if, if I was being critical of myself, I think um, I would say that, um I, I, I maybe sometimes don't follow through enough, or I would say that I have not put enough um, effort into whatever the project that I'm working on might be. Like, what do you, what, what do people generally come to you and think are their biggest uh, stumbling blocks? I have a client that I'm working with, and one of his goals is that by the time he is in his early 50s, he wants to move to Japan. He's never lived in Japan before. He doesn't speak Japanese. He just loves the country, loves the culture, loves the people. And and that is one of his goals. And that's a noble goal, but it's it's over a decade away for him to be at that at that age and at that place in his life. And one of the things that I find that makes life difficult is when we create goals for ourselves and we hold on to them too tightly. Because when we have goals and we don't reach them or the goal changes or the dream is deferred, we beat ourselves up. 
because of what we didn't do, even though life has changed. And, and so one of the things that I think people can do to help make life a little easier is to hold on loosely to those goals, which is not to say loosey-goosey or to make excuses because things didn't work out. But what I'm pointing at is stepping into the moment and, and playing life as it comes. And I don't know if my client's going to end up in Japan or not, but whether he does or doesn't, being okay with the outcome is the key to not only making life easier, but finding some enjoyment and finding some compassion for himself. Because so many times in my life, and maybe you've experienced this too, I feel like I, I know what the goal is. I know what it is that I want to achieve. And, and life has other plans. One of the stories in the books is uh, where the coach and the client are talking and the coach says to the client, how long did it take you to ask your wife to marry you? How long did you date before you ask your wife to marry you? And the client says, 11 months. How about you? And the coach says, five years. So five years, 11 months, who got it right? I mean, did the, did the client win because he did it in 11 months? You go, that's a ridiculous question. They had to come to it in their own time. Mm-hmm. And I think also that understanding that nobody has a stopwatch on success, nobody knows what is the right amount of time to create things. So we, we make things up. We make up timeframes and put those timeframes in front of ourselves. And we tell ourselves that it makes us stronger and it gives us something to shoot for. Well, nobody works well with a gun up against their head and creating self-imposed deadlines is not a strategy for finding freedom and finding creativity and finding a way to make things easier. Deadlines are deadlines. I'm I'm not saying just, well, just throw out your calendar. No, I'm saying the way that you show up and your relationship with your calendar, with your deadlines, with your obligations can change. And that I think has been the biggest thing for me that I have seen in the coaching that I have received, as well as the coaching that I share with others. And my clients have come to understand that, again, whether they end up in Japan or not, Mm -hmm. It's about enjoying the journey and it's about taking life as it comes, not, not having a plan that becomes a weapon that you use to beat yourself up with because you didn't achieve what it is that you planned. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, kind of in that vein, it's, um, it's a reminder that, um, I guess like for me, it, it went, especially hearing from you, reading it in a book, um, it, it kind of reinforces something that I've long held to, to be the truth. Um, and I'm sure there's been many people who said some version of it, but basically if success is a yacht, there's always going to be someone with a bigger yacht. Um, so, you know, you can't make it about um, success is, is the journey, not, not the destination. Because if it's going to always change for you, like, you know, um, un- unfortunately, I, um, my wife and I know all too well how life can throw a curveball at you, something that no one ever planned for, something that, or something that we knew would happen, but we, we assumed it would happen, you know, in our, in our later years. Um, and, and then life just doesn't work that way. And so you can say, you know, okay, well, it's a failure. Let's all pack up and, you know, like, uh, just, you know, dig our own grave and, and just lay down because it's, wow. it's a wrap, you know, but that's not realistic. 
you know, that's not any more realistic than expecting to, you know, to say, well, um, you know, um, I didn't retire by 40. I, I, I failed. <laughs> so, you know, and, and just, you know, full disclosure, you know, when I was in my twenties, that was the dream, right? Like retire by 40. Like I never thought about what it would take to retire by 40, but you know, like that you say it, cause it sounds like, you know, like something to, to, to shoot for. Um, sure. You know, but but again, it's just like with that comes, you know, as you mentioned, that lived experience that uh, and just then really being comfortable with with stepping into your identity, just, you know, showing up as you all the time. And I think that's that's actually a big, big thing that um, I I got from the book as well. It's just a a good uh, affirmation of something that, uh, you know, you kind of you do without thinking. And then you realize that this is that you were onto something this entire time. Mm. Well, one of the things that I know about identity is that resilience is part of the system mm-hmm. and bouncing back. And and when it looks like, you know, one of the quotes in the book is from F. Scott Fitzgerald, and he says, "Never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat." Yeah. And you and I. We're both guys who've we've we've been through some things. Life's thrown us up against the fence a few times. I'm, you know, uh, I yeah. don't know your backstory and all that, but I can I can just tell by what you were talking about. But guess what? I'm still standing, and and that's not because I'm superhuman or I've got grit that others don't possess. It's because <laughs> it's part of our identity, like five fingers on this hand, built into our DNA, into the system, into our humanity is the ability to to bounce back, to be resilient. And that resilience is one of the central themes inside this idea of the healing that that is really fundamental to what easier is all about. And that healing is something that that we can all access. It's not it's not a superpower that only Wolverine possesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have the ability to bounce back. And if you've experienced defeat, I would just like to say, welcome to the human race. Welcome to the human condition, right? Me too. Been there. But when we go from a tough situation that makes us say, how am I going to get through this to being able to shift our perspective? And it's just a small shift to say, what can I get from this? What can I get from this difficult situation? that gives us a little bit of of agency, a little bit of ability to see that options always exist, that there might, even in the midst of of darkness and disappointment and grief, and by the way, I've been there and I share about it in the book. You can ask yourself, when the time's right, from a place of kindness and compassion, what can I get from this? What's good about this? Because I, I mean, I could tell you story after story of, of relationships that failed, business ideas that didn't work out. And you know what's good about that? It's allowed me to be where I am today, to write the books that I've written so far, to have the conversation that I'm having right now and the conversations that are yet to come. I am who I am because of my past and in spite of it. Right. And who I was yesterday is not who I am today and not who I have to be tomorrow. And that to me is very freeing. Some people might hear that and be like, well, no, I want that kind of consistency and stuff. 
Well, I consistently adapt to my circumstances and I bet others do too. And that again is, it's part of our, it's part of the science that's inside of us. That's part of our DNA. And that to me is very comforting. Right. And I'm just going to, um, uh, I'm just going to take a second here and, you know, again, there, there is, um, there is something of a bibliography in the back of the book. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, as I mentioned, you know, reading this more than once, I, I, I've paid even more attention <laughs> to that bibliography the second go around, because I'm like, uh, again, you know, I, I, I can't stress enough. This isn't just, um, you're, you're not riffing here, right? Like the, a lot of uh, what's touched on here is backed by science there. You know, you point to a number of studies, um, the Livewire book uh, uh, that's referenced through, uh, throughout some of the uh, middle chapters there. Um, again, um, I, I remember, um, and, and I'll be honest, I remember kind of cliff notes uh, being the way that I, I, I read that book. Oh, look at that. I got a cat on on the screen there. <laughs> I wasn't sure if there was a small child or or something in the background earlier. Um, yeah, but- he's he's crying. He's my he's my podcast helper. Oh, there uh, you go. This is Puck the cat, and uh, he's he's very vocal and he likes to cry. So I'm I'm picking him up and making sure that he doesn't do that. So, okay. Well, anyway, no, but, no. but you were saying, yeah, please. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah. But, but, um, don't but yeah, uh, so uh, so Livewire um, again, just mm-hmm. talking about um, really again talking about how we are wired to adapt, uh, mm-hmm. to, uh, to our circumstances, you know, again, um, not going to give too much away, uh, about that, but again, one of the things that was talked about in Livewire was the way that, uh, people who, uh, had, uh, amputees were able to rewire essentially the way that they, uh, interacted with the world as a result of, um, no longer having access to one of their, their senses, you know, that, We've seen where that's been, um, you know, uh, researched and and analyzed, and and again, this is science. We know that this is how the human mind is designed to work, um, you know. And again, you, you you're able to make those connections for uh, for the book, and you know how we should approach, um, you know, uh, maybe our circumstances, right? You know, we're we're not we're not designed to fail any more than we are designed to always be on a high and always, uh, you know, everything we touch is, is gold. That's, you know, obviously not how, how life works, but, uh, again, being able to make that connection and, and just getting that, um, reminder that, uh, we, we will always adapt to whatever our circumstances are if we let ourselves, I think that's the, the, that's the other part of it, right? We will adapt if you allow yourself to. True. And, and the key word is allowing yourself to be who you are. And, and that's why the, the Livewire book, which by the way, if people are curious, that's, that's a book called Livewire by a guy named David Eagleman. And it's the most inspiring book that I've read in the last decade. And it's, it's a science book. It's written by a neuroscientist. It's all about the way that, that our, our brains work and understanding the human condition at a, uh, at a cellular level. And at a cellular level, we are built to adapt. And what, what Eagleman says in his book, and I share it in easier is that, you know, if you think about, um, just any animal that you want, you think of a lizard, a lizard from 30,000 years ago, or a lizard from yesterday, those lizards are both the same, Mm -hmm. but as, as human beings, you and I, and, and 
collectively, the average IQ is 100 points higher today than it was 100 years ago. Now, why? Is it because we're so much smarter and that sort of thing? Well, no, it's because of abstract thinking and our ability to entertain concepts and the internet and all kinds of things that influence our modern life versus what people experienced in the early parts of the 20th century. But what this means is, is that we are constantly adapting, evolving, and growing as a society. And when you're in the midst of difficult situations and difficult circumstances and difficult relationships, it may not feel like or look like you are evolving. But that's why it's so important to step into one of the key ideas of the book, and that is slow down. Mm-hmm. To slow down and see what other possibilities exist because you can't experience Yahoo. You can't step into living life like a Sunday, lazy Sunday afternoon if you're living life at 100 miles an hour and going about the business of living like an automaton or a robot or, or like you know, you're your own personal AI. Right. That's, that's not much of a life. Right. And sometimes Absolutely. when we slow down, we see, we see new, new options, new possibilities, and new ways to adapt. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. You know, and and that, um, you know, I honestly um, got to say thank you uh, again, just, you know, just for the reminder, um, you know, even even being, you know, having this conversation, I think it's um, that reminder to slow down. I think with, um, you know, obviously this being a technology podcast, you know, we're always uh, sure. looking for faster, you know, faster, faster, better, faster. Um, but, you know, it's really like life happens when you slow down. And I think um, that's, that's a, a great reminder for not just um, our listeners the folks who will um, pick up this book, but also for myself. And, you know, I appreciate that. And I want to thank you, Chris. Well, it's, uh, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's a reminder to you, to me, to all of us. I mean, so, you know, sometimes when we stop the scroll is when we see what we're missing. Sure. And that, and that's been my experience. I don't know if you've experienced that, but uh, you know, again, this isn't a put down the phone kind of conversation, but there, there is some power sure. in stepping away and seeing things in a new, in a new perspective. You know, it, it's, it's a, again, I think I'm all for advocating uh, being present, you know, whether that's, uh, right. you know, whether it's being it's about, present. It's about balance. It's about yeah. balance, isn't it? Yeah. 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 I'm with you. I'm so, um, Chris, I don't want to uh, keep you on for too much longer. I appreciate all the time that you've taken this afternoon sure. uh, to speak with us. Um, I'm just before we go, I'm I'm going to ask you three very um, maybe somewhat random uh, uh, questions. Um, there are no right or wrong answers. Just you know, uh, first thing that comes to mind, um, and and we'll go from there. Okay. Uh, First one, um, what's a piece of tech that you can't live without? Piece of tech that I can't live without. I would say these headphones right here. Well, they can't see the ones that I'm holding up, but these are fantastic headphones that I absolutely love. And so I would say, I mean, it's kind of a simple piece of tech. I wish I were a little bit more sophisticated. No, I can't live without my headphones. Hey, that's, I I totally hear you. Um, all right. Um, if you weren't a, a business coach, what would you be doing right now? Uh, probably owning my own business, uh, which is, which is, I mean, I do own and, and operate right. obviously my own business, but I would be involved in something where I wasn't at the center of, of the business, if that makes sense. I, I think I would still be an entrepreneur, even if I wasn't a, a business coach. 
And um, what would be the, uh, the mantra that you live your life by? The mantra that I live my life by is something from nothing. Okay. Something from nothing. And when I think about the things that I've created in my life, relationships, partnerships, businesses, even this book, Easier, you know, I, I'll tell you where that book started. It started with a blank page. <laughs> right, right. There you go. And, and the point that I'm trying to make is that we all have the ability to create something from nothing. We all have the ability to create, to create whatever it is that you're on about. Maybe some people are creating uh, engineering drawings right now. Maybe some people are creating architectural drawings. Maybe some people are creating books. Maybe some people are creating solutions that can help heal a sick chihuahua. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> but we are, but I do know this. We as human beings are in the business of creating things. And my, my life has been about, and my life continues to be about something from nothing. And when I meet with people, when I speak to people, when I give presentations, I'm looking in the direction of what is it that I can create? What is the service that I can offer? And how can I have the most powerful conversation that's possible and, and help others to do the same? And, and that's why I want to say to you, thank you. <laughs> for helping me to have this conversation and asking great questions. And thank you for taking time and being so mindful around, around the book. That means a lot to me as an author. And uh, yeah. And, and so I, I just, I really appreciate that. And I hope that, I hope that answers your question, but it's, it's something from nothing. That's, those are the words that I live by. That's awesome. Thank you, Chris. Um, again, uh, Chris Westfold, the book is called Easier, 60 Ways to Make Work Life Work for You. It's available now on uh, Wiley. Um, uh, Wiley is the publisher. Uh, they can find it uh, on wiley.com slash business. Uh, can they find it on your website as well, Chris? Absolutely. You can, of course, find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble and anywhere that, that books are sold. But you can find out more about the book on my website, which is westfallonline.com. And my last name, it's like the direction and the season, westfallonline.com. That's me. Awesome. We'll make sure to include links um, in the podcast notes. Um, again, we'll make sure to link back to uh, Chris's website, to the book on uh, Amazon. Uh, and as well as um, a link to the podcast and the website. So again, thank you, Chris, so much for your time this afternoon. We really appreciate having you. Um, Please, we hope that, you know, please take this as an open invitation. You're always welcome to come back. We're happy to have you. And, um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll, who knows, maybe we'll do a part two if I uh, pick it up for a third time. I'd like that. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on the Noisecast. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for taking the time to check out this episode of the Noisecast. You can always find a podcast on Twitter and Facebook at Noisecast and on Instagram at The Noisecast. Be sure to share this with your friends and make sure to give us um, a review on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us get the word out. Thanks again. Have a good night and peace.